0: Chapter 5 Lord Rishabhadeva's Teachings to His Sons Lord Rishabha said, My dear sons, this body you carry along within this material world does not deserve it to suffer under the difficulties of a sense gratification like that of dogs and hogs. It is more worth the trouble to undergo the divine austerity from which the heart finds its purification and from which one achieves lasting spiritual happiness. To be of service to the great souls, so one says, constitutes the way of liberation, and to seek the association of those who are attached to women forms a gateway to darkness. Truly advanced are they who, in their spirituality, have an equal regard for all, are peaceful, take no offence, wish everyone the best and know how to behave. They who are eager to live in a loving relationship with me are not attached to people who are motivated only for the physical aspect of life consisting of a home, spouse, children, wealth, friends and making money. They engage in worldly matters only according to necessity. The madly being engaged in unwanted activities for the sake of this material satisfaction I consider as not befitting the soul, the conscientious self, that thus arrived at this temporary body, despite the misery associated with it. As long as one does not want to know about the reality of the soul, there will be misery because of ignorance. As long as one is of fruitful activities, there will be the mind ruled by karma that will bind one to this material body. As long as unto me, Vasudeva, there is no love, a soul, that way being ruled by ignorance, will have a mind led by fruitful activities and will thus not be free from the miseries of the body it is identified with. When one even properly educated, does not see how useless the endeavor of gratifying the senses in an unregulated manner is, one will, not thinking properly about one's self-interest, very soon be crazy about it and, as a fool, find nothing but material miseries in a homely existence ruled by sexual intercourse. Because of the sexual attraction between men and woman, their hearts are tied together, and therefrom they call for a home a territory, children, wealth, and relatives. This now is the illusion of the living being known as I and Mine. The moment the tight mental knot in the heart is slackened of such a person bound by the consequences of his karma, the conditioned soul turns away from this false conception of us, and then, forsaking that cause of egoism, being liberated returns to the transcendental world. With the help of one's intelligence, one can give up the false identification with the material world, the cause of material bondage. That is achieved by following a spiritually advanced person, a guru, as also by devotional service unto me, by not desiring, by exercising tolerance with the dual world, and by inquiries, by realizing the truth of the miseries of the living beings everywhere, by practicing austerities and penances, and by giving up on sensual pleasures, by working for me, listening to stories about me, as also by always keeping company with devoted souls, by singing about my qualities, by freedom from enmity, by being equal to all, by subduing one's emotions, O Sons, by trying to forsake the identification with one's home and body, by studying yoga literatures, by living alone, by entirely controlling the breath, the senses and the mind by developing faith by continually observing celibacy by constant vigilance by restraint of speech by thinking of me seeing me everywhere by developing knowledge and through wisdom in being illumined by the practice of yoga and by being endowed with determination enthusiasm and goodness When one, by means of this yoga practice, completely being liberated from desiring results, as I told you, has untied the knot of the bondage in one's heart that was caused by ignorance, one finally also must desist from this method of detachment, this yoga itself. The king or guru, who, desiring my abode, thinks that reaching me is the goal of life, should, in this manner, relating to his sons or disciples, be of instruction and tell them not to engage in fruitful actions. He should not be angry with them when they, because of lacking in spiritual knowledge, wish to be so engaged. What can one achieve spiritually when one engages someone else in karmic activities? Such a king or guru, factually, would cause these souls whose vision is clouded by material motives to fall down in the pit of falsehood. People, who, obsessed in their desire for material goods, have lost sight of their real welfare, live with their efforts for the sake of temporary happiness in enmity with each other, and run, foolish as they are, without having a clue into all kinds of trouble. Which man of learning and mercy, well-versed in spiritual knowledge, would, facing someone with such a bad intelligence, engage him further in that ignorance? That would be like leading a blind man on the wrong path. Someone not capable of delivering those depending on him from the repetition of birth and death must not evolve into a father, a mother, a spouse, a spiritual teacher, or a worshipable Godhead. I, who am inconceivable in this transcendental embodiment, have a heart of pure goodness filled with Dharma, devotional service. Because I left Adharma, the non-devotional, far behind me, those faithful to me truthfully call me the best one, or Rishaba. You are all born from my heart, therefore try, with an intelligence free from impurities, to maintain your reverence for me, and be of service to your brother, Bharata, who rules over the people. Among the manifested forms of existence, the living ones are superior to the ones without life, and among them, the ones who move around are far superior to the plants. Of those, the ones who develop intelligence are better, and the best ones among them are the human beings. The spiritual beings, the meditators of Shiva, are the better ones among the humans, and the singers of heaven, the Gandharvas, are superior to them again. Next, one finds the perfected souls, the Siddhas, above whom the superhuman beings, the Kinnaras, are situated. The unenlightened souls, the Asuras, who can master the ones aforementioned, are dominated by the gods, led by Indra, and above them the sons of Brahma, like Daksha, are situated. Lord Shiva is the best of them, and above him we find Lord Brahma, from whom he originated. He, in his turn, is a devotee of mine, I, Vishnu, the god of the gods of spiritual rebirth, the Brahmins. No other entity compares to the Brahmins. To my knowledge, O scholars, there is no one superior to them. With them I eat with more satisfaction from the food that by the people with faith and love in proper ceremony was offered, than from the food that without them was offered in the mouth of the fire. It are the Brahmins who maintain my eternal and shining body in the form of the Vedas in this world. In them one finds the qualities of supreme goodness and purification, control of the mind, control of the senses, truthfulness, mercy, penance, tolerance and understanding derived from experience. They who perform their devotional service without claiming worldly possessions desire nothing but me, the one of unlimited prowess who, higher than the highest, is capable of redemption and bestowing all the heavenly happiness. Why would they need anyone else? My sons, with your vision thus clear, be at all times of respect for all living beings, moving and not moving, for I reside in all of them. That is how you respect me. Engage all of your mind your words, and the perception of all your active and receptive senses directly in my worship, for without it a person will not be able to free himself from the great illusion that binds him to death. Sri Suka said, After, for the sake of mankind personally, thus having instructed his sons, in spite of their high spiritual standard of living, The Great Personality, the well-wisher and Supreme Lord of all who was celebrated as the Best One or Rishabha, placed Bharata, the oldest of his hundred sons, a topmost devotee and follower of the Divine Order, on the throne to rule the planet. The instruction for his sons describes the Dharma of those who, free from material desires, no longer engage for the profit and, as great sages, as the best of the human beings are characterized by devotional service, spiritual insight and detachment. While Rishabha first remained home, he, to set an example for his teachings, like a madman with his hair disheveled, accepted only his body as his property. Then, clad in nothing but the air, naked thus, he, with the Vedic fire that he kept burning within, left Brahmavarta to wander around. As someone unconcerned about the world, he appeared to be idle, blind, deaf and dumb, like a ghost or madman, for even when he was addressed by the people, he, having taken a vow of silence, refrained from speaking. Passing through cities, villages, mines, lands, gardens, and communities situated in valleys, through military encampments, cowsheds, farms, resting places for pilgrims, hills, forests, hermitages and so on, he was here and there surrounded by bad people, like there were flies, and was, just like an elephant appearing from the forest, beaten away and threatened, urinated and spit upon, pelted with stones, stool and dirt, farted at and abused. But he did not care about it, because he, from his understanding how the body relates to the soul, knew that this dwelling-place of the body that one calls real, is just an illusory covering. In negation of the eye and mine, he rather remained situated in his personal glory as he wandered the earth unperturbed and alone. With his most delicate hands, feet, chest, long arms, shoulders, neck and face, etc., with the lovely nature of his well-proportioned limbs, his natural smile, beautiful lotus petal-like graceful mouth the marvel of his reddish widespread eyes and the great beauty of his forehead ears neckline nose and expressive lip because of which his face was like a festival to all household women in whose hearts he everywhere would have aroused cupid he with his great abundance of curly brown hair which was matted dirty and neglected made his body appear as of someone haunted by a ghost When he, the Supreme Lord, noticed that the people directly opposed this yoga practice, he, as a countermeasure, resorted to the abominable behavior of lying down as a python, smearing his body with the food he chewed and the drink he drank, while rolling himself in the stool and urine that he passed. The wind, perfumed by the fragrance of a stool, made the countryside smell pleasantly for ten yojanas around. With his actions of moving, standing, sitting, and lying down with the cows, the crows, and the deer, he, exactly like the cows, the crows, and deer do, ate, drank, and passed urine. Thus practicing the various ways of mystical yoga, Rishaba, the Supreme Lord, the Master of Enlightenment, incessantly enjoyed the Supreme in great bliss. He experienced the symptoms of loving emotions unto Vasudeva, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is situated in the heart of all living beings, and achieved by his fundamental indifference the complete perfection in the Supreme Self. But, O King Pariksit, the fullness of the mystical powers of Yoga he thus accidentally achieved, like traveling through the air, moving with lightning speed, the ability to stay unseen, The ability to enter the bodies of others, the power to see without difficulty things from afar and other perfections, he could never fully accept in his heart.